listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Listen to On The Road on the Australian Big Rigs Radio Roadshow and via podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify and now also on iHeartRadio. Just search for On The Road Aussie Trucking Podcast. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day and welcome back to On The Road. This week we chat with Wes Walker, a Queensland pensioner who's been on the front line of the Gatton Pads, fighting for the basic right to have toilets available on what is essentially a workplace for truckies. In addition to that, we know that fatigue crashes are the single largest cause of truck driver fatalities. There are a lot of myths surrounding these statistics, so Mike and Adam Gibson from NTI get together to bust some of these myths. Trevor Warner joins us with a call to support a couple of our trucky brothers in need. Plus the regular news, music from the amazing Rhythm Aces and Dan Seals, so let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over there! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. I've got Adam Gibson from NTI with me again today. NTI, as you know, are our major sponsors and they help us put the show together. And to give them a hand in their program of safety, something that we're all about as well, we want to talk about a few safety issues today. We want to talk about fatigue crashes and the simple fact that they are the largest cause of truck driver deaths in Australia. There are a lot of myths that surround fatigue accidents, so I've got Adam here with me. Adam's got the numbers. We're going to have a chat about it. So, a risk assessment engineer from NTI, Adam Gibson, how are you, mate? Really good, Mike. Thanks for having me back on. Always a privilege to have a chat with you. I do so look forward to our conversation simply because you and I get off into the weeds sometimes, and we both, well, I don't know about you, but I end up better educated anyway, so. I think it's really great that we can go and dig into the issues, get your on-the-ground experience, mm. and then see how it compares to the data that's sitting in front of me yeah. and work out how we solve the world's problems together. <laughs> they should just let us go, shouldn't they? They should just let us do it. <laughs> That'd be the way to go. So, mate, let's talk about this fatigue stuff. I don't want to take the whole show with it because <laughs> we've got to do the news and fit that in, you know. So fatigue crashes, mate, 14 and a half years of experience in the licence category. So that means it's not new blokes that are having fatigue crashes, and that's the general idea, isn't it? Oh, he must have been a new bloke or he's not up for it or something. Yeah, and when I look at NTI's serious crashes, the proportion of those crashes that are caused by fatigue has been dropping reasonably consistent over the last decade. Mm. It was 27% of our large loss crashes back in the early 2000s, down to a record low for as long as this data series has been going to 8% in 2020. And that's, that's a real positive story. And I think it reflects well on some of the work we've done in the industry to address fatigue. Yep. 
It's probably also important here to flag that when I'm talking about fatigue crashes, I'm talking about crashes where the driver behind the wheel of that truck was asleep. This is not about work hours compliance. This is about being awake while you drive. It's important to sort of separate those two issues, compliance versus actual impairment through fatigue. And and generally in these cases, we're not talking impaired response time. We're talking drivers that are asleep. Yeah. So these guys aren't necessarily outside their work hours either. They're just at the wrong time of the day or they're at the wrong time of the sleep cycle or they've been doing other things and come to work unprepared, that sort of stuff. Exactly right, Mike, that on the one hand, to be out on the roads, you've got to comply with the rules. And so work hour compliance is a sort of a mandatory precondition, but that's not the complete story for managing fatigue risk. Mm. When I look at these large losses, I'll generally be provided with a week's worth of work diary pages. Mm. And not only are they compliant at the time of the crash, but there's no issues in prior days either. Yeah. And that says that if we want to effectively protect ourselves and our people, we need to look further. And part of the challenge here is these are still pretty rare events that, you know, talking somewhere in the order of maybe a one in 5,000 drivers will have a crash of this nature each year, like it's 10% of a one in 500 event, Mm. means that fatigue crashes mostly do happen to other people. And it's easy as a result, as a driver such as yourself, to discount that risk and say fatigue crashes happen to other people. Yeah. Humans are really good at risk discounting. We look for anything that makes us different to the person who had the crash that we're looking at. And we say, ah, oh, that's why it wouldn't happen to me. And so the first point that you already raised is that question of experience. Yeah. There's a pretty widespread belief that I've been driving long enough now, I've worked out how to manage my fatigue and therefore it's not going to happen to me. I've done that, mate. Mm. That's why I didn't need a guardian. It's easy to fall into that trap that you can go and say, I've driven for 25 years and I've never had a crash as a result of falling asleep, therefore I am safe. When I look at the data though, yeah, average experience in the license category of the vehicle they were driving at the time of the crash, so MC drivers in MC, or MC experience for an MC crash, HC experience for a HC crash and so on, is 14 and a half years. And that tells us that experience alone will not protect you from these crashes. And so what's the average age then? Well, that's interesting as well, that the average age for our drivers involved in these serious fatigue crashes is 46 years of age. There's also that belief, as I've gotten older, I need less sleep. Mm. But if it's happening to guys that are rapidly approaching 50, then again, that, that doesn't ring true. And it might reduce the total amount of sleep you need but it doesn't necessarily follow that you're protected from having a fatigue crash. It's all about the quality of sleep, though, too. I mean, a lot of guys will deny that they have sleep issues, they're waking up feeling tired or they're not getting enough rest or the kids wanted to play all weekend and you've got to head off on Monday morning and sometimes life gets in the road of being a professional driver. A really fantastic point. We've got some other material that we'll be putting up on NTI's Better Business Hub aimed at operations manager, whether it's a depot manager, those sorts of frontline management roles, talking about that to really effectively manage fatigue risk in a trucking business, Mm. you need to not just think about work hours, compliance, and think about your staff as a logbook. You need to take a whole of life, whole of person approach that if you don't have the sort of trusted relationship between your drivers and your frontline managers, for those drivers to feel comfortable saying, hey, look, Joe, I'm having some real troubles at home. 
can I do local work for the next couple of weeks, mm. then it's going to be really hard for you to effectively manage the risk of a fatigue crash in your trucking business. All of our work is not just focused on the driver. This is a holistic issue that needs a holistic solution. We need to work across the industry to manage this and get our people home safe. We'll be back right after this. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. There's sort of this myth around that it's later in the week that you're going to have the fatigue crash. You've been busy working all week. You've done your four 12-hour or 14-hour days or whatever it is and you're getting a Friday night and Thursday night's the night where it all happens. That's not true either, is it? It's the two extremes. Yeah. It's not as clear-cut as some of the other trends, but it would suggest that at each end of your working week, typically, you're going to have a higher risk period. Right. Firstly, if you've had some leave, you've taken a break, gone away for a long weekend, taken a month off, whatever it happens to be, that first shift back, you're at escalated risk. Yeah. But there is problems around cumulative sleep debt, mm. that if you've been doing 12-plus-hour days every day for the week then towards the tail end of the week, your risk goes up as well. Yeah. The other thing, and this one I don't think is a surprise to anyone, even once we correct for the fact that there's a lot fewer trucks on the road early in the morning, you're at much higher risk of being involved in a fatigue crash. We traditionally report this as midnight to 6am because that's just how we break the day down into nice quarter blocks. Yeah. But it's a little earlier, if I'm honest. It's actually really that 10pm to 4am window. Yeah. And to the degree that you can, and I acknowledge that a lot of drivers aren't in a position to dictate the hours they'll be driving, that the freight task needs to get done at a certain time, being either at home in bed or parked up and in the bunk during that 10pm to 4am period is one of the best things you can do to manage your fatigue risk. Mm. I had a really great fuel haul client that had a look at it and they said, you know what, it's just not worth it. So they went out to all of their customers and said, look, we're not doing deliveries between 10 a.m. and 4 a.m. anymore. Let us know what alternative time slot you'd like us to do. Yeah. And all but two of their customers said, oh, okay, fair enough. If that's the go, that's the go and rescheduled. Yeah. For the remaining two, for those trucks, they put seeing machines into the trucks that service those high-risk hours. And I thought that was a really pragmatic approach to eliminating the risk where you can and managing it where you can't. Well, that's how you do a job safety analysis, isn't it? You just look at what's going on and you do what you can. You make an engineering decision or a management decision or you know, remove the risk if you can and try and mitigate it as much as you can if you can't. I like it. It puts the reasonable into so far as reasonably practicable. Yeah. And it was, it was, again, just a nice, smart example. 
honestly, if all of their customers had said no, they'd have folded and continued doing deliveries in that time frame and just had a bigger rollout of seeing machines. Yeah. They were essentially calling their customers bluff. Yeah. But it worked and their people are safer as a result. Yeah. So the short story of it is, though, Adam, is we need to treat sleep seriously, make sure that we're getting enough sleep, quality more than quantity, and consider the changes that you can make in your workday as a driver and you know, sensibly negotiate those with your management so that you can get what's a good outcome. It's better off for it to be standing up in a parking bay than laying on its side in the middle of the EM highway somewhere. 100%. And that quality point is important. You need to treat sleep as seriously as you might treat your other interests or hobbies. Yeah. Like you actually need to put genuine work into it. Like, if you're not sleeping well in the bunk, what can you change? It might be as simple as getting a better pillow. Mm. It's a tough one. Exercise and eating well is is hard to do on the road. No no one's going to argue with that. Mm. But we know we have issues amongst our drivers with sleep apnea. Yep. And so addressing that is really important. And getting tested if you have any concerns. And if you do find out you've got sleep apnea, Everyone I speak to that has gone through that journey comes out the other side happier and healthier and glad that they did it. So that's, that's one big issue that we're not addressing adequately yet. I've had several conversations with different people with the commercial responsibility for what goes on around them. And they're happier if their drivers are getting looked at and ruling out things like sleep apnea or discovering that that's the problem and dealing with it. No one wants to lose a good driver because good drivers are hard to come by. So dealing with something as simple to deal with as sleep apnea, there are a few heaps to jump through and it's a bit painful, but dealing with it really, from the two blokes that I know personally who have been down that track, they reckon it was the best thing they ever did. I've got one mate, I was best man at his wedding, Mm. and he was doing, Bridget's doing local delivery work and he was pretty miserable if I'm honest. Yeah. Went and got tested and I'm not kidding when I say over the six months after he got treatment for his sleep apnea, Mm. He got younger. Yep. He looked better rested. He dropped a bunch of weight. I think it probably saved his marriage. We'll do more in this space. Keep an eye on NTI's Better Business Hub. We've got some work coming up talking to some genuine experts around sleep apnea, both diagnosis and treatment. Yep. And it's something I look forward to talking on more. But yeah, as I said, treat sleep, particularly sleep quality, really seriously. Probably the biggest trap I see is mobile devices, you know, tablets and smartphones. Oh, yeah. I understand the temptation to sit back in the bunk and see what's happening on the world. Long-distance driving can be a very isolating task, Mm. but it's really easy to damage the quality of the sleep you get as a result by having those devices there as you're trying to get to sleep. Yeah, man, then having your device there with it's turned on, the ring is turned on and your mates ring you up after you've been asleep for an hour for a 30-minute chat, and that's an issue as well, but anyway. Yeah, the term there is it's called sleep hygiene. Yeah. It's about protecting your sleep from things that could harm it. Mm. And yeah, making a rule that, yeah, you might have a bite to eat while you're sitting up and catch up on devices, mm. have a video call with your family. Yeah. But when it comes time to get your head down and get some shut-eye, yeah, leave the device up the front, put it in front of the curtains. Yeah, well, I was sort of starting to wonder whether I had sleep apnea or not. So I asked Rose if I stopped breathing while I was asleeping. And you know what she said to me? Uh, only when she holds a pillow over your face. That's about right. <laughs> it's true, though. That's what she said. Uh, my missus has threatened tontine therapy to me a few times. <laughs> Fortunately, I don't think she's gone through with it yet. Yep. But if I don't show up for a future interview, you might know what happened. Yep. I'll send out someone looking for you, mate. Hmm. 
I'd love to see some discussion on this from your listeners, to hear them talk. Yeah. Jump in the comments section on, on Facebook and tell us what you've done to improve the quality of sleep you get out on the road. Yep. It's not easy. It's far easier to fall into those habits and traps that undermine sleep quality than it is to have the discipline around sleep hygiene. Yeah, it is. Thanks for joining us on the show, mate. Well, fantastic, Mike. Well, take care of yourself and I'll see you on the road. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. Here's one of my favourite bands, the Amazing Rhythm Aces, with a song about dysfunctional romance, I'll Be Gone. Legs are long. 
say so, honey, I'll be gone. Over the past few weeks, we've been sharing with you the ongoing saga regarding the new heavy vehicle decoupling facility in Gatton in Queensland an $18 million whiz-bang setup that's got everything a truckie needs except toilets. Apparently, truckies don't need toilets. Every day for the past few weeks, Gatton local Wes Walker has been on site staging a protest about the lack of basic facilities for our nation's essential workers. Now, Wes is not a truckie. He's just a local concerned citizen living with a disability who's standing up for the rights of truckies. Thanks to his tireless campaigning, the fight is not over yet and Wes, quite rightly, has become something of a hero in the eyes of truckies right around the country. Busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking competition, Wes has graciously taken a little time out from his busy day to have a chat with us here. Wes, g'day. Thanks for joining us on the road. Thank you very much for taking your time out to let me voice my opinion to all you good men and women out there driving trucks. Well, mate, it's very much our privilege to have you here. Tell us just quickly, the background here, what brought you to the point of giving up so much of your time to protest out at the Gatton Pads? Well, I have different friends of mine do drive trucks. Yep. And I'm sick of you people getting treated like second-class citizens. Mm-hmm. Enough is enough Australia-wide, and someone's got to have the voice and the time for you. Now, I'm currently on a disabled pension. Yep. So in other words, you people are paying my money out of your taxes and I'm giving back to society for a good cause. Good man. When did you actually first start the protest, Wes? So as at yesterday, I was up to 19 days plus the three days of lockdown that I wasn't allowed to go there, being locked up like a Kelpie dog. Yeah. So we're 22 days all up. Today, I've had meetings with various people here in Gatton over it. Mm-hmm. I'm not on site. I have gone out to site today on other issues, which I'll broadcast to everyone Yep. on what they have done now to stop the petition going ahead, yep. which is not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's have a quick look at the nitty gritty of it. What's stopping them from putting toilets into this facility? You'd think it'd be a given. What's stopping them from putting toilets in there? Yeah. They wouldn't be able to buy as many coffees in the morning and have their champagne and caviar at night. <laughs> it is not their money. It is your money, you people, you taxpayers. Yeah. I am looking into currently at the moment from a good source that they just refurb on the seventh floor of Parliament House, the bathrooms. Okay. Under the law, I can get a costing on that for you people and just see how much they spend on their shitters. Yeah. Mate, who is it that's actually stopping this from happening? Queensland Transport. Yep. It's got nothing to do with Gattonshire, nothing whatsoever. A lot of people are misled there. Right. There has been issues and comments made about caravaners might go in there. Mm. Now, a lot of the truck drivers that I have spoke to, there is a sign up there. If you've got good eyesight, you will see it. Yep. So I actually took photos of the sign with my clipboard to give a detailed size of it. The clipboard pinned to that one the clipboard pinned to illegal dumping 
which was oh, it was only about seven times the size. Yeah. You know, something that anyone could read. Yeah. I went over to some caravanas one day. They pulled in there just to have a cup of tea. They didn't see the sign at all. Okay. And I said, look, I'm going to ask you politely to go eight and a half kilometers up the road because this is for truck drivers and a big burly truck driver might get upset. Yep. Female truck drivers have commented to me and they just at wit's end about the whole situation. Like it might be all right for some of you blokes just to do whatever you want, wherever you want, but a female is certainly a different outlook. Yeah. Now, Wes, I see you've trailed a couple of portaloos in a his and a hers too. Have you received any flack for that? Not from transport, no. Legal-wise, they couldn't do anything with me, I don't think, because I look into things where I'm not going to get in the shit, so to speak. Yeah. And they had nothing on me. I could tell that whether it's been used or not because of the type of toilet it was. Yep. And I have been there 10 hours a day until I got the toilet. I could not eat anything because I have an irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. And I wouldn't have made it to the BP. So now wherever I go, I just don't eat. And, and look, I live a happy life. It doesn't worry me. Mm. There's worse off people than me in this world. Yeah. I don't want any sympathy from anyone. I have a happy life. Yeah. Well, mate, you more than anyone else would understand the need for the toilets here then. Mate, I do. Yeah. I had a massive brain aneurysm out near Texas five and a half years ago. Mm. The time I got to Brisbane, that happened at half past five in the morning when my partner, she found me on the ground. Yeah. I didn't get to Brisbane until two o'clock that afternoon. Yeah. My brother met me there. Well, I didn't know. And he was told to make arrangements for me. But only the good day young. Yeah. So I have other issues I can't smell, which is not a good thing. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Irritable bowel and a couple of other things I won't go into, but I'm still a happy chappy. Yep. I love it. On that subject, I believe you've actually been warned that you need to sort of lay back a little bit. Well, people are worried, and good people like yourself are worried about my health. Mm. Centrelink is aware of what I'm doing. They're happy with what I'm doing. Yep. Because they understand, with looking at my record, the need for a toilet. Yeah. Basic rights. Where's the Human Rights Commission in all this? Where are they? Yeah. I would like the general public to get a little bit more behind it. I feel they're failing these good people that deliver all the goods in Australia. Yeah. Without them, they have nothing. Yeah. As you say, they're our essential workers. Yeah. Yeah, mate, you've been working with local MP Jim McDonald trying to get this issue sorted. Yeah. Where are we up to at this stage? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel yet? Well, now the council are more aware of what is going on through Lockyer Waste Management. Mm-hmm. There's a big meeting about it this week because they've been told the truth, not lies by emails. Yeah. And we've got them on that. They sent an email to Big Rick's a couple of days ago mm-hmm. stating that Lockyer Council and the Mayor is happy with the facilities out there. Yep. But unfortunately, they forgot to ask the Gatton Mayor and the Lockyer Council. Yeah. Oops. And they said, we've had no meeting with them. Yeah. Nothing. This is government, again, that thinks they can get away with lying. Well, guess what, people? Not on my watch. I will hold them accountable for everything they do to the trucking industry now. I will hold them accountable. Good on you, Wes. I'm not going to go away, men and women. I'm there to bat for you. Yes, I'm on a pension, but I live, as I say again, I live a happy life. And this, to me, makes me even happier to see I'm so popular with them. Yeah. It's got a love-hate relationship. They hate me and I love doing it to them. <laughs> I tell you what, if we ever go to war, mate, I want you beside me in the trenches. Well, that's the way it's got to be, mate. Like, everyone's got to start sticking up for their rights instead of just saying the government's doing the right thing by me. They're not doing anything. 
Yeah. Taking all their pay rises while this pandemic's been on. Mm. They've had their champagne and caviar. They've been caught out. Yeah. What sort of feedback and support have you been getting from truckies going through the area? Well, I'll be honest. The first day I put the big red sign up because I didn't want to make it too loud. That's why I only used red. <laughs> I was overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Yeah. Truck drivers coming up and shaking my hand. And I'll tell you all, I teared up. Mm. Real tears, not onion tears, mm. real tears. That overwhelmed. The support's been there. Unbelievable. Yeah. The army come in. The army couldn't believe it. Two army blokes had been up at Weeper. Yeah. And they said, geez, you're funny, mate. I said, what? They said, when we got in the range, we got on our army social media site. Mm. And we seen you on there. I said, what, the sign? He said, no, you're sitting on the toilet with your <laughs> hands down around your knees. <laughs> and he said, we laughed, but then we got the big picture. It wasn't just for urinating. It was doing number twos too. There was a good photo of that. And he said, that went. that's on our social media site right across Australia. Yeah, it's gone viral. Now, another truck driver came in and he said, mate, do you realise how big you've made this? I said, yeah, it's right across the street. Yeah. He said, no, mate, I'm on a Facebook page, American Trucking or whatever it was. He said, I opened it up the other day and here you are. Yeah, mate, you're an international superstar. Listen, just before you mentioned about the petition, what can our listeners do to help you? I, I know you've got a petition going. How can people sign up? Jim McDonald's got one online. Look, I'm not computer savvy. Yep. Simply, I, I'll tell you, I left school at, at 14 and five months because I was dumb. But what I did before I left is I went around and stole everyone's common sense, brother. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I've got through life, using common sense. Yeah. Don't think there's anything dumb about you, mate. Jim McDonald, I think he's got a petition on Facebook or if you look up the state member of Lockyer, Jim McDonald, they can sign it on there. While you've been talking there, Wes, I've just looked it up, actually. If you want to get involved and sign that petition, if you go to parliament.qld.gov.au and go to the petitions section, it's under the title of Lack of Toilet Facilities at Gatton Truck Decoupling Facility. So that's parliament.qld.gov.au and look for the petition section. It's all there. Yeah. I've been speaking with Wes Walker, the protesting legend at the Gatton Pads, Wes, we really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with us today. On behalf of all the truckies who stand to benefit from all your efforts, a huge thank you, mate. That's okay. And as I'll repeat again, anyone with any major issues in this country to do with trucking, I can contact you and, I, and you are allowed to give them my phone number. We'll do that for sure. Anyone that wants to criticise me, you're best given up because they won't happen on my watch. Yeah, good on you. The police found out that because they over-abused their powers and sent the police out three times. Yeah. Guess who won that battle? Uh, I'm putting my money on you. The sergeant was speaking to Jim McDonald and he said he'd never been dressed down before like that in his life. <laughs> he said, I'm not going near him again. <laughs> <laughs> it might be wise. Good on you, mate. Look, appreciate your time. We'll let you get back to it. But thanks again. We'll talk to you soon, yeah? Thank you very much. If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost efficient large format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. 
For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Stickershed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412-105-151. The Stickershed, their business is making your business look great. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Mike, top of the evening to you. Top of the evening to you too, mate. How are you going? Going all right, thank you. A little bit on the cold side, chilly around the feet, but otherwise all right. I'll tell you what, it's fairly warm over here in the Pilbara, mate. I'm actually enjoying the weather here. I don't know. I prefer the cold myself, so it's all good. (laughs) Well, you're welcome to it, mate. Happy to be in the studio. Having a bit of a row with the missus at the moment, so... All right. Yeah. Uh, look, she's been misbehaving a bit, and I had to put my foot down, and I said to her, look, you know, I wear the <laughs> pants in this family. All right. And How'd that work for you? Well, she said, as long as I keep doing as I'm told, I can keep wearing them. So I, is, that a, <laughs> is that a win? <laughs> That's a win, mate. I'd shut up if I was you. Yeah, I probably should, shouldn't I? think you should, mate, yeah. All right. Let's get into the news here, mate. Police are investigating an accident near Kempsey on the mid-north New South Wales coast where a man was killed after being hit by a truck at a popular changeover point in the early hours of Tuesday morning. Yeah, just a bloody tragedy, this sort of thing. Everyone knows that we used to do changeovers at Clybucket there on the old highway, what that's like there. Bloody terrible. Mm. I don't really want to talk too much about it. I don't know the details. I really just want to highlight that this happened. Yeah. Obviously, RIP to the driver and condolences to his family. Mm. And just basically put out a call if you've seen something and you or know something and you haven't come forward yet to help with the investigation to find out what happened. I just ask that you do so. Yeah. Make yourself known to the local constabulary and let's try and find out exactly what happened and why. Mm. So they haven't solved it yet. I, I think it's solved, mate. It's just that every little bit of information probably helps, you know. Yeah, true enough. Mm. Closed in late May due to the risk of a a major rockfall, a section of the Tasman Highway at Paradise Gorge in Tasmania is due to reopen this week. Yeah, what a beautiful little bit of road it is too. Oh, yeah. You may not know I'm a Tasmanian. Did you know I was a Tasmanian? Well, I didn't. I'm of Tasmanian blood myself. Both my heads are nodding. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a lovely scar on my neck, but they cut the good-looking head off. Oh, I get both of them. It doesn't hurt to have a spare. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, look, there was a bit of a rock slide there, and they were worried about the stones and things coming down a little bit further. Mm. But the damage and everything's been surveyed, and it wasn't as bad as they first thought, so they've cleaned it up, and it's going to be all open. The important thing about this little piece of connective road is if, if it's not open... It adds 175 k's to the trip from Orford around to Hobart, so it's a nice little piece of road. They're going to have one lane open there. It's going to be 40, traffic controls and all the rest. We don't do many stories from Tasmania, mate. We don't. No. Should have more. We should have more. And you're saying it's a nice bit of road. I, I don't think there's any such thing as a bit of road that's not nice in Tassie. It's beautiful. My brother drives a truck down in Tasmania. Does he? He does. I can't name who he's driving for because it's a large national company and they, they might not like it. Mm. But he drives up and down, picks containers up from the wharves down there and takes them down to Hobart and all over the place. He loves it. Well, if he's been doing that run, he'll probably appreciate the 175k less he's got to do again. Oh, that's not on the road he goes on. Okay. No, no, he just drives up and down the Midland Highway. He tells me about all the roadworks and all that sort of stuff on the Midland Highway. <laughs> yeah. But the same sort of problems over there with tourists, with caravans and all that sort of stuff. I told him I was going to take my van over there just to get in front of him and annoy you, but anyway. <laughs> so you should. Moving on, well, mate, the best news of all for this week, the biggest one, 
I would love to be in Townsville this week. It's the NTI Townsville 500 this weekend, and as part of the event, the annual parade of all the supercar teams transported trucks, yep. all 20 of the gorgeous flashy B-doubles that they are, wound their way in convoy through Townsville. <laughs> <laughs> did you like that? I did. That's my Tim the Tourman impersonation. Well, that, that was mine before. I thought mine was a little more authentic. But anyway, go on. All right, okay. Well, we won't get into that. Yours was bigger than mine. <laughs> hey? <laughs> oh, no. Don't do it to me. Not while I'm trying to be serious about a news story, mate. Gee, I'm lost now. Okay, as you were. They can tell you what, they've got some pretty flash-looking gear, don't they, these guys? 16,000 people, they reckon, watch the drive-by. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. No, they hang out for it every year. I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you up there, mate? Oh, I can't, mate. I've got to stay here and work. <laughs> got a podcast. Yeah. You've got a podcast to do. There's some pretty good-looking gear there. If you want to go to the uh, Big Rigs News website there and have a bit of a look, you will see the pictures of some of them. This is sponsored by our major sponsor, NTI sponsors that one. Indeed. It's the Townsville 500. The Reed Park Street Circuit will be lit. It will be lit. And you'll be watching every second. Oh, I won't miss a thing, mate. Yep. I'll be on the couch peloton. No, hang on, that's that's the other one, isn't it? <laughs> Am I out of line if I give a hint and say that a little later on at some stage we will be talking with one of the drivers of one of these supercar transporters? We are. We, we're trying, mate. We're doing our best. I think it's going to happen. You do? I do. Um, anyway. Stay tuned. Enough of the V8s for now. Mate, last but by no means least, Lindsay Transport has released a new truck safety training tool to further comply with the long-standing undertaking from SafeWork New South Wales. Yeah. Look, you've got a bit to say on this, haven't you? I do, and it's not all good. <laughs> you know what's missing in this game, mate, really? I can think of a few things, but probably not the right ones. What? Well, once upon a time, we used to train people. We used to get them in the yard, and they'd work their way up until they got in a big truck or... Mm. You know, you'd take the young bloke with you or the young girl with you in the cab as a driver and you'd show them how to do all the things that this app's talking about doing. Yep. But we stopped that. We can't do that anymore. And I seriously question whether anyone is going to learn anything from an app. There's only one way to learn how to hook a truck and trailer up. That's to go and do do it. it. Yep. We need mentors. We need leaders in the industry to go ahead and do this sort of stuff. Mm. Lindsay had a very nasty accident and someone lost their life. Now, it happens in this game. and I, I know that I don't want to sound flippant about it because it's someone that lost their life. It's someone's son, someone's husband, someone's father. Yeah. And it's always a tragedy when this happens. But the sad reality of it is this app that they've produced is part of an undertaking that they gave to do some safety things. They've spent like, I don't know, $1.496 million on this undertaking. This is since about 2015, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how would it be if they spent $1.496 million on training? How would that be? Yeah. I reckon it'd go a hell of a lot further. Probably. So we get all this, you know, all this lip service and all the rest of it. And to be perfectly frank, mate, I read through this article and the more I read through it, the more I shook my head. And we get to the point where we get Lindsay Australia's CEO, Kim Lindsay. He said the company's worked closely with SafeWork to deliver an important safety message for the industry, including developing the augmented reality app to improve training in high-risk areas. You know what improves training in high-risk areas? Proper training. Proper training. Yeah. Not apps. Not augmented reality. Yeah. Not augmented reality. Reality trains. Mm. 
to me, they say it's a free tool which supports new workers through their systems of work. What supports new workers best through the systems of work is an experienced eye, an experienced person to guide them and train them and show them, Yeah. not apps. I'm not going to congratulate Lindsay for this because as far as I'm concerned, this is crap. This is the sort of short-sighted silver bullet sort of stuff that they aim at the industry and it does nothing except make a few people with shiny asses on leather seats feel good. Yeah. And you know, I'm not going to apologise for that. I'm not going to back away from it. Yeah. It is absolute rubbish. We need to think more about hands-on training. We need to think more about training schools. We need to think more about apprenticeships and mentorships and actually getting people in the cab and learning from experienced operators. That's the best way. It's always been the best way. It will be the best way down the track. Yep. And I can't for the life of me see the value of an app. I wouldn't use it, and I wouldn't ask anyone I was training to use it. Yeah, I just wonder if it was used in conjunction with real training, maybe Mm. it'd be a good thing. Yeah, or maybe. To back it up and support it, but not in the case of. But I suppose if you look at pilots, Mm. they don't stick them behind the joystick and say, well, come on, I'll tell you how to go. They've They've got to spend all that time in the simulator. I've got no issue with spending time in a simulator. I've got no issue with, with that at all. I think we should, as professional drivers, have training every year or so. Simulator's a bit different to an app, though, isn't it? Well, it is. It's very, very different. Speaking of which, did we ever find that simulator in South Australia <laughs> that we talked about all that time ago? Has it ever shown up? I don't know where it is, mate. Okay. If anyone's seen it, can you let us know? <laughs> we'd, love, we'd love to be able to finish that story off. It's only been about 30 episodes since we bought it up. The lost simulator. Uh, it's like lost in space, isn't it? Yeah. Well, mate, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that one. And it's a shame you had to beat around the bush and didn't speak your mind. But anyway. It's very no holds barred, mate, I'm afraid. Sorry. You get that. Oh, by the way. Yes. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> Let's hear it. Mate, up in Byron. Yeah. Four hours ago. That'll give away when we're recording this. Yeah. Wednesday, mate. Mm. A young 20-year-old kid was pulled up driving a rigid because he looked a bit sus. The cops were driven watching him drive down the road and they're wondering. He didn't learn the important trick when you're breaking the law, drive casual. Yeah. So they pulled him up. Yeah. Two million bucks worth of cannabis, heroin and meth in the truck. Really? Oh, mate, he wasn't mucking around. 20 years old. Wow. Uh, Northern Rivers Region Enforcement Squad conducted a search of his vehicle after he was pulled up for driving suspiciously. I don't know what's driving suspiciously. He must have been. I just had this image of Cheech and Chong with a cloud of smoke <laughs> coming out the windows, you know. Yeah. He had a fair haul. Yeah. Let me just detail it for you. Thank you. He had 183 kilos of cannabis in vacuum-sealed bags, mm. 2.5 kilograms of methamphetamine in plastic resealable bags, uh-huh. 816 grams of heroin in a compressed block in the rear of the vehicle. The drug dogs would have gone nuts. Oh, <laughs> it killed them. I just laughed to myself, mate. I'll tell you what, blows me away. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. I'm just wondering what the cops would have seen as suspicious in Byron Bay. Everything's <laughs> suspicious in Byron. I'm just thinking how appropriate, 180-odd kilos of weed. Where are we, Byron? <laughs> he was probably driving perfectly normally, and that's what aroused their suspicion. Yeah. He probably was. Andy's tips for the week, mate. Okay, fire away. When life closes a door, open it again. It's a door. That's how they work. <laughs> yep. Makes sense, doesn't it? It does indeed. Is that it? Or is there another one? No, there's another one, mate. If you have a stepladder, it's probably because your real ladder left when you were a kid. (laughs) 
Oh, gee. Enough of that. Alright, right, mate. Bye-bye. See ya. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Roadshow. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Hey everybody, this is Tony Justice and you're listening to On The Road with Mike and Handy. Trevor Warner, great mate of On The Road and Truckies Everywhere. He's just called in with some important news. G'day, Trev. What you got for us? G'day, Andy. We've got an interesting situation developed where two drivers have contacted us with legal matters to do with RMS or what do they call now, Transport for New South Wales. Yeah. And these guys have had their licences yanked from them. They've had money confiscated from their bank accounts. They've had their driver's privileges revoked in New South Wales. And most people would probably think, oh, it sounds like a pair of cowboys. But what's actually happened is these guys were happily doing their job running express from Brisbane to Sydney and back every night, six nights a week. Mm. And RMS have been producing penalty notices from the safety cam system. And one driver has got a bill now of $113,000. And the second driver is $35,000, for the same type of offences. Now, Mm. our good friends at Highway Advocates... They've already had several of these penalties withdrawn before even going to court. Mm. So we know that one of the charges, which is relating to it, the recognition of the number plate on the truck, yeah. technically it's a false charge. RMS just withdrew the charge based on the submissions. But because these guys have had the demerit points and their driving privileges revoked, yeah. it's really impacted their ability to earn money. We believe that we can do a submission for about $3,000. So we're putting together a fundraising campaign of selling some T-shirts. It's not GoFundMe, but it's a new service called Chuff, which is quite a little bit cheaper in their processing fees. So we're going to come up with $3,000, crowdfund that, and use this case to help every other truck driver out there that's been hit with these same set of penalties. Yeah, as well as these blokes. As well as these poor blokes, yeah, yeah. So how do people go about getting involved, Trev? Well, I've got two lovely ladies helping me. They're both wives of truck drivers, so they're busy this morning doing the final touches. But keep an eye on the Drivers Advocate Facebook page. Mm -hmm. We should have something up this afternoon or or tomorrow with the T-shirts that we've done and instructions on if people want to send $5. My theory is if 600 people are willing to give up one coffee a week, Yep. There's our $3,000 and we can start these submissions for the betterment of the industry because there's a lot of drivers that have been complaining about this exact same thing for quite a number of years and nothing's been done. Yeah, and that's a good point you make, Trev. It's not just about these blokes. It's important for everyone else too. It is, absolutely. And it's actually a similar thing has happened to me where I received a fine or two fines actually in New South Wales and they got posted to me 
but they were addressed to a, an old address from about a decade ago, and it was actually my employer's address that they put on the penalty. So hmm. when I asked for an update on how much I owe, because, you know, there's every truck driver out there gets a small fine now and again, all of a sudden there was an extra $2,000 there, and I, what's this? And hmm. then they sent me the original fines, and I'm going, well, that's not my address. That was from a decade ago. Where did you get this address from? Yeah. And nobody wanted to answer it. They just said, you got to pay it or we're going to steal money out of your bank account or draw your driving privileges. So, you know, yeah. in the big scheme of things, I just paid it off. But it was, it was completely ridiculous. You wonder just how many people do end up doing that, just paying it rather than having to put up with the crap if they go through with trying to chase it up. Well, it is. And I'd like for you to talk to Robert and Adam from the Highway Advocates. They can give you a, a very precise picture because Robert's a truck driver, as you know, and Adam's a lawyer. Mm they can give you a picture on what it actually costs interstate truck drivers to fight these things. It's actually a business decision just to pay it. But what the boys are finding now is when they're going into court, the courts are looking at the traffic histories of these drivers and they're going, oh, you've been a bad boy 10 years ago. Mm. So we're not going to give you any leniency. And instead of giving you a $1,000 fine, we're going to give you a $2,000 fine and hopefully that'll teach you the lesson. And and we're going, well, hang on a second, it's not safety related, so why are you penalising us? Mm. And then we've got to take a day off work to go to court on top of all this. So yeah, it's a business decision just to pay it and cop it on your traffic record. Yeah. So just again, Trev, where do they go? The Driver's Advocate Facebook page. Yep. That's my page that I run to disseminate information on the transport industry. It's an open page to everybody. Excellent. Well, jump onto there, guys, and see how you can get involved. It's a worthy cause, not only for these two blokes, but for your own future as well. Trev, just quickly, one question for you. Mm -hmm. How come you get to work with two lovely ladies and I just get to work with Mike? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't seem fair somehow. Uh... Trev, thanks for bringing that to our attention. We'll make sure we get the news out there this week on that. Much appreciated, mate. Great work, Andy. I really appreciate the assistance. To take us out from the show this week, Dan Seals tells the story of an average bloke who all his life dreamt of becoming a trucker, but never quite made it. Here's Dan Seals with Big Wheels in the Moonlight. I came from a town that was so small You look both ways, you could see it all All I wanted was some way out Every evening I'd slip into town And stand around by the caution light Watch the big trucks rolling by To me it was a beautiful sight Big wheels in the moonlight I had a case of wanderlust I'd lie awake with the windows up Out on Highway 59 I could hear some big old diesel whine She was going through all the gears Headed out to who knows where Fell asleep most every night Dreaming about big wheels in the moonlight And I won't put my life on the center line And I won't see the world before I die And I know that there's a peace I'll 
I got here, it's hard to say But so many things got in my way Can't complain about all I've got Kids and a wife and a regular job But at night when I'm sitting here All alone in the living room chair Sometimes I close my eyes That's our show for this week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Be sure to join us again next week when Andy says... You always look good in a wig, Mike. Mike says... I'll laugh because you said it, but I don't think that's funny. And our guest says... I'm nervous. Until we catch up with you again next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.